It's Tennessee Titans talk. Landon, we're back in the playoffs. Every great Titans playoff memory I have has kind of come back to me this week. I've been a fan of this team since the beginning. The excitement is kind of unparalleled, right, if you're a sports fan or a big-time football fan like we are. I'm not sure if a Titans team has ever come into the playoff as hot as we have in. We were competitive down the stretch in pretty much every game. Our offense is one of the best in the NFL under Ryan Tannehill. We have the best running back in the NFL in terms of rushing. So it's not a fluke. It's not we're here because we're actually really good and we have a chance to upset the greatest dynasty the NFL has ever seen. In the years after we made the Super Bowl in 1999, we got a national respect for several years after that just because the leaders of our team, McNair and Eddie George, and uh, were a consideration at this time of year. For a long time, It's uh, it has been, we've limped in, we're sort of an afterthought or sort of a Hail Mary as it goes. In 2008, I feel like we were the best regular season team in the NFL. Baltimore came after our bye week and was just tougher than us that day. But you're right, the excitement is real. Our national media is so reactionary and so hot takey. The Patriots are favored in this game as they should be. We have a chance to win. We execute, we can win, this is a really good defense, and the greatest quarterback-coach combo ever. They are not going to roll over for us in Foxborough. Yes, they are 4-4 four and four in their last eight. This is still the New England Patriots. This is about as mortal as I've seen them pretty much this entire decade, the second half of the dynasty when they started winning Super Bowls again. If there was ever a time when they came into playoffs then, I looked at them and I thought, yeah, this Titans team could beat them, especially a 9-7 Titans team. This is the one, and obviously it's going to take a monumental effort. It's going to take everything we've got. It's no guarantee at all, but given how great they are and the precedent they've established, there's a reason this is their first wildcard game in a decade. And going back to that game against the Ravens, Joe Flacco played terribly, but it was the wildcard, fluky things happened, and the Patriots got blown out the last time they played the wildcard, so here's hoping that happens again. Oh, absolutely. They have not played in this weekend very much in this 18 or 19 year run. So it'll be really interesting to see. I think it's going to be one of the best games of the year. I think the matchup is network television heaven. And speaking of that, 7:15 kickoff Saturday night, I consider that by far best billing of the weekend. Although Sunday has uh, two two excellent games that we'll get Saturday night primetime, Tony Romo, Jim Nance. Oh yeah, and it's really just exciting because we're not the afternoon game. And obviously a lot of that comes down to the Patriots are playing for the first time in forever. They don't want that to be the kind of the bleh game of the afternoon. They want the Patriots in prime time. But it just speaks to the respect that both teams rightfully deserve. And we get probably the best duo commentating crew in the NFL. And it's just really exciting because not only do we have this great crew, it's on Saturday. So Sunday, hopefully after a Titans win, we're going to sit back and relax and watch. I think it's going to set up really well. And Tony Romo is unapologetically kind of excitable. And he just brings a kind of passion to this game. And he's going to be absolutely nuts for this game because he's going to see a lot of strategy and he's going to see a lot of old school football. He's going to see some good defense and he's going to see some really good playmakers. Uh, I'm already nervous. Uh, I'm excited that this is a Saturday night game because we don't have to wait an extra day. I'm just absolutely anxious for Saturday. Yeah, it's really fun. In two days, we have a NFL, we have a playoff game. Now let's talk injuries. So important this time of year. Very important for us. Our health showed Sunday. Derrick Henry looked 
fresh as ever for this late in the season. What's the latest on who's on our injury report and did they practice today? Well, Adam Humphreys has already been ruled out. He didn't practice at all this entire week. And Let's that's talk where... a little bit about that. You, I didn't expect that when we saw his injury three games ago. I guess this is it regardless of what happens. Uh, tell, tell me what you know in greater detail uh, about his injury. I really just know that Vrabel has been very... He hasn't said much about the injury, just that he expected it not to be a serious thing. But obviously, he's missed so many games in a row, and he didn't practice at all this entire week, that you have to think either it's more serious than we let on, or he's just not ready. And they're trying to load manage him in case we make a deeper playoff run, and he can come back next week or the week after that, like the 49ers with Quan Alexander. And also, it gives defensive coordinators another thing to game plan against, because obviously, they're going to assume now Humphreys is likely to be out but if we get past this week and he's playing, that's another wrinkle that teams have to game plan for, even if he doesn't play because he's our best slot receiver. He's probably the most dependable third-down receiver we have, and you can't just not scheme for that. So even if Humphreys doesn't play, if you're wasting the defensive coordinator's time, that's a win in some way. I don't think our fans should discount. I don't know that any would. What a big deal that is because that guy is just clutch all over, and that is would be the perfect guy catch a tough pass when you absolutely have to have it. His level of concentration and toughness, not just bragging on him because he's a Titan, just objectively watching him. He Even for his size, he was great in the goal line, and he was absolutely made for third down. So I just think um, uh, who's going to have to step up? We know every uh, we know the depth chart, but other than that, in those situations, who's going to have to step up? It's really just got to be Corey Davis, and hopefully he repeats what he did against the Patriots the last two times he played them. And he repeats how he played in the playoffs. But A.J. Brown is great, but he's likely to get maybe the defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore. So it has to be someone else. And Davis, it feels like the second half of the season with Tannehill, every game, I'm saying, oh yeah, look at Davis, three catches on third down, move the chains, keep the drives alive. That's not enough. He has to be greater. He has to do more. It's not enough to have three, four catches for 50, 60 yards. He's got to have six or seven catches for over 100 yards and at least one touchdown. If I'm really feeling confident about this game, you have to have more than one dependable receiving threat against the Patriots because Bill Belichick, I'm already sure, is scheming a way to take A.J. Brown completely out of the game plan. And Corey Davis always shows flashes, and now he just has to put it all together in the biggest game of the season. All right, big fella. The good news. Adoree Jackson will play on Saturday. Yeah, my boy. He is a go-go. So he practiced all week and... He has been listed as a full participant, and he is ready to go. Much needed relief because, to be honest, we've we've had some some difficulty stopping some big receivers down the stretch, and you know he'll be a, a prove his value in in a tough game. How much do you expect to see him play on Saturday? You know, I, I'm going to be bullish and say that he plays 75, 80 percent of the snaps. I think, thankfully, you know, we'll probably talk on it a little bit later. Um, but the weather is going to lend itself to running the ball and not so much throwing the ball. So hopefully we won't need him that much, but I, I expect him to play quite a bit and to provide some, some much-needed support. Landon, run down the rest of uh, our injuries. All right, so Khalif Raymond is questionable. He was a limited participant all weekend. He had two weeks to get over that concussion, suffered in the Saints game. And if he's back, that'll be big for right. our return game. Darren Bates, full participant the past two days. I'd expect him to play. That's good news for our special teams coverage. Cody Hollister was limited, always questionable. Jack Conklin was limited on Wednesday, but he fully practiced today. 
I expect him to be a full go for Saturday, probably just a maintenance thing that popped up. Then Dane Krugshank popped up today with an illness, and he's questionable, and that would hurt our special teams coverage a bit, but if Bates is back, that would minimize John, things. thanks to uh, some luck and some some good strategy from our coaching staff in front office, at least going into this game, we are as healthy as we've been in a month, right? Yeah, and that's a funny thing, you know, how these playoffs work out. The teams that usually win are the ones that find themselves getting healthier as the season progresses. And, you know, typically a lot of teams are banged up and they're losing guys left and right and they kind of limp into the playoffs. You know, like I think of Philadelphia, for example, they just keep getting injuries and they are kind of limping into the playoffs. You know, it was almost like daring somebody to win the NFC East. We, on the other hand, you know, we didn't win the division but we're coming in stronger than we've been for most of the season. So that's that's a definite positive. Our, the right guys for us are healthy, too. Um, and uh, I think that's super important. There's some luck there. There's some strategy. But like you said, uh, it matters in this game uh, more than any to, to just kind of you see teams that compete for championships are, among other things, healthy. What are the biggest questions for the Pats as far as injuries uh, coming into this game? With the Pats, it's pretty much entirely defensive playmakers, especially in the secondary and in the back seven. Jamie Collins is limited all week with the shoulder. Julian Edelman also limited all week. It, he's been dealing with a knee and shoulder injury. I've seen national reporters say that it's bigger than he's let on. And he's just toughing through it. And he certainly looked a lot less of a player than he usually is these past couple weeks, specifically against the Bengals. Then their secondary, Jason McCourty only played eight snaps the last six games of the regular season. His question right. with a groin injury. I wouldn't expect him to play just because he's missed so much time and they won't have a bye for him to get healthy. And then Jonathan Jones, one of the better slot corners, is also questionable with a groin injury. New England is deep and good on defense. Uh, they're deep and good at linebacker. But Jamie Collins, big fella, is underratedly uh, one of their biggest playmakers and to not have him at 100 percent they're going to need him for Derrick Henry Uh, they're going to need him to be absolutely ready oh for sure yeah I I remember Jamie Collins more so from his first stint in New England where he was just like a a superhero Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden it came time for him to get paid and you know Bill Belichick does what Bill Belichick does and you know he ends up in Cleveland and kind of just you know Cleveland does what Cleveland does this is true this is very true. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he outplayed that contract. He found his way back to New England. And, uh, you know, not to take a New England phrase, but I think he might have had a slice of humble pie. And, you know, here he comes back true to form. Um, he is a, He's a dominant player. So if he's mm-hmm. hobbled, that improves our chances greatly. In January, not many people want to tackle a, a healthy Derrick Henry. And he was probably one of the best bet tacklers to right. help with Derrick Henry. So, yeah, that's a, a great point, and I think it's a really important one for this game and this matchup. Yeah, I think a lot of Titans fans are expecting Dante Hightower and Stephen Gilmore and Calvin Noy and these guys that have made this a really a top three defense uh, uh, in this league. They really are. they got a lot of hype and a weak schedule, but they are a really good defense. I think some guys nationally understand that Collins is just a really big part of what they do on defense, and it'll be interesting to see how that shoulder comes along. Uh, I think it goes without saying, um, Edelman and his health, They everyone knows that they have a lim- limited number of weapons on offense, especially on the outside. So, Landon, that would be uh, – that's their biggest question mark, right? Because I I know he's going to play because the guy's tough as nails. But like you referred to, you could see the look on his face that he doesn't look like he feels very good. They're going to get him as ready as they can. But that's absolutely essential for what they're going to try to do Saturday night. Right, Landon? Certainly, if I'm a Patriots fan, that's easily the thing that scares me the most on this injury report. 
is Edelman's limited because he has 100 catches. James White has 72. The next closest guy is Philip Dorsett with just 29. If their best receiver, their clear-cut best receiving option is limited like he has been, it's expected to be rain. It's going to be cold. It's going to be gross conditions for throwing the football around. If their really one good receiving threat is limited, that would scare me as a Patriots fan. Guys, let's circle back and talk line. This opened at, I think, four and a half for the Patriots uh, course in in Foxborough. So uh, this has moved up because I think a lot of regular guy money is on the Patriots just because of the just because of the, the names of the teams. So I think this is up to five last I saw. And so just tell me, guys, what you think about how appropriate that is. New England, five-point favorite. That's a, as weird as it sounds. That is uh, giving credit to uh, the Titans, right? Because I think up there in the playoffs means that Vegas thinks we can win this game, right, John? Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, we talked about it all season. Normally, three, you get three for being a home team. And you're talking about, you know, right now in the playoffs, the home team of all home teams with the Patriots. I mean, for then, you know, technically for us to just be, you know, uh, two-point dogs is huge. Because, you know, if you if you negate the three for having a home field advantage, um, yeah, Vegas knows that, you know, I, I'm the the mind that, with New England playing in their first wild card weekend in 10 years, they're finally on the decline. And I think this might be the nail in the coffin that kind of, you know, starts to churn a new era. Now, obviously, it's the Patriots, and they're going to do what they continuously do, which is field championship winning football teams and or championship caliber. So we've always talked about it with other teams that you got to prove it. And, you know, until the Patriots prove they cannot play or they're not going to, you know, be dangerous in the playoffs, you know, I I think it's safe to say that they're always going to be favorites. But like you said, I think Vegas, they're giving us a shot. And I think we we earned it. I think we've played really tough lately. We talked about in the last uh, last podcast that we really only lost to New Orleans on a a handful of plays. And same thing with the, the Texans the first time around. I mean, we're one weird interception slash fumble away from winning that game. So really, we, we've been able to hang with everybody. Landon, to John's point, they do seem as vulnerable as I remember them ever being. But this is a team that is on year 19 of a five-year plan. And you, we just cannot, I will refuse to believe that they, this is over until a team like us goes up there and beats them, right? Oh, yeah, certainly. I think this line also speaks to how they have finished we're seven and three with Tannehill. We're really hot with the Patriots. Second half of the regulars, they had one two possession win, and it was against the Bengals, who have the first overall pick. Every other win was within one possession, and they also had their four losses down this stretch. So they're, I want to say they're limping into the playoffs, but they've been scraping by. They've had to resort to a lot of trick plays with Edelman throwing touchdowns, linebackers catching touchdowns, and they've just had to scrape by on offense, let the defense carry this team to win. And it's just, they're not the juggernaut that they looked like they are the games, and they look much more mortal down the stretch. They absolutely did, but it's one of those things where um, I think this is a trap game, but I think a trap game for the Titans, yeah, maybe for their fans, maybe not for this team. I think they know what they're getting into. These guys play on the field. I think this sets up to be not only the most interesting game this weekend, but in a while as far as wildcard weekend goes. It's just uh, so fascinating. It's going to have the time slot. It's going to have the A-plus crew. It's just going to have, I think, the country's interest. I absolutely can't wait. John, I was telling Landon, I'm so glad, and this sounds like a joke, but it isn't. I'm so glad that this is Saturday, not Sunday, just so we don't have to wait another day. Oh, I agree. I mean, I feel like this has been the longest week ever. And I said that last week waiting for a game. Yeah, I I cannot wait for Saturday. I think, you know, the excitement around Nashville and this fan base and this team is so real. 
and it's so authentic and it's so needed for this city that you know we're finally hitting on all cylinders and you know who knows had we been had we been playing like this earlier in the season you know we could have been looking at a first round bye we could have been looking at a lot of different things or a home playoff game and i think even though we're nine and seven for the fourth straight year I think everybody would agree that this team is taking big steps forward. We're we're ready for that primetime. We're ready for the, the national spotlight. We're starting to get the recognition. Um, and I think this game is huge. And not to mention the fact that, you know, we've played these Patriots the past two years, one of which being an, a, another playoff game, which we very much owe them a revenge game from that playoff game two years ago. When you're talking revenge and these two teams, and uh, a lot of our listeners will know, you could go way, oh yeah, way back on that. They have beat us up there, and we've gotten close. And some of our best teams, especially towards the end of the uh, McNair George years, we went up there. I, I remember, I believe it was in '04 when uh, Jeff Fisher's beard froze over, and uh, <laughs> you literally couldn't see Belichick's face behind the hoodie it was so cold up there and we played well but they have found a way to win for 19 years uh, most years and so that's that's what we need to understand we're getting into we have a chance the talent team to win i think we have a coaching staff and focus just sort of the character of of in our leadership from a player standpoint but boy am i absolutely nervous and excited about this game well let me stop you right there it's funny you mentioned that the coaching uh, the coaching staff to do it I think there are very few teams that will walk into Foxborough as confident as we will. Um, I think those teams are limited to to us, the Texans. Uh, the Dolphins walked in there with nothing to lose last week. And look, those are all former Patriot guys. I think us going into Foxborough with Mike Vrabel gives us an advantage. We know He knows what to expect. He knows that crowd. He knows how, how to prepare for this game. And I think that's something that we've lacked before. Um so I think that's something that, that should be, you know, uh, that we can count on a little bit. Well, that's a good segue to what, what's it going to take? What is going to take it for us to win this game? Two or three points, like what has to happen? For me, I've been watching football a long time. We've seen guys have career years and play above their head. We don't know if Tannehill's playing above his head or he's finally um, found the right situation and is finally healthy. But let's say he is. Um, we've seen a lot of guys have a career year and then absolutely uh, blow it in that first playoff game. Case Keenum comes to mind. Um, I know Alex Smith has had some rough playoff games, although I like him more than most. You can list a lot of guys. Uh, I think Carson Palmer was pretty famous for this. There are a lot of examples of maybe not your elite quarterback over time having an elite year just playing terribly when it gets to this point. I'm not worried about that per se with Thanhill, but it is going to be absolutely essential that uh, he does not have ball control issues and that he plays with the same vigor that he has. I think just the way the guy has played, I'm not worried about him uh, just not showing up. I am worried about him trying to do too much, which we saw Peyton Manning do most playoff. Uh, any worry about that, Landon? Um, because that's the biggest point. We all know that. He's going to have to play well. He's going to have to run for some first downs, and we know Derrick Henry uh, is going to have to show up. But I expect him to do that. Quarterback in the playoffs is is a different game well my expectations for Tannehill in two days are already pretty tempered because of the weather the matchup and just how Henry will be the key to our success and I wouldn't be surprised if Tannehill throws for 200 something yards at most and we pull we go out there we go out of there with a win I don't really a game where he throws for 300 400 and we win if I think if we win it's because we control the clock with the run game we avoided turnover and to your point about how great he's played a lot of it's come down to making the tight window throws he's trust receivers more importantly they're making the catches it's not like 
a bunch of guys are wide open that a defensive mastermind like Bill Belichick will take that out of the game. It's not guys are wide open all the time. He's just throwing to open. It's guys are covered, hitting them in the exact right spot on tight window throw. And they're ex- it's not, there's nothing fluky about this or there's no mirror. There's no smoke and mirrors. It's just execution. And I think easily could continue executing at the high level that he's. Yeah, his receivers have made it easy on him. But when you watch the game, he's put the ball right where it's running uh, yards after the catch or not. He has consistently done that. Big fella, to Landon's point, he doesn't expect 300 yards from Tannehill. But Tannehill is still going to have to win this game. We can't rely on our kicking game to, to kick us into this per se like in some years. And that is a big, big worry for me we'll talk about later. But big fella, even if he doesn't, throw for 300 yards, he's going to have to convert some very important third downs, right? He is still going to have to win this game, right? Of course, yeah. To piggyback off of Landon, like, I don't think he's going to have that monster game. I mean, he could. He could very well surprise us all, and it could just be a slugfest between two quarterbacks. But he has to be smart. He has to be efficient. He has to know when to run. And he has to not be afraid to run, which he he hasn't been afraid to run, you know? evidence last week first play of the game a 20-yard boot he's going to keep doing things like that that's what i want to see from him i want to see consistency i want to see smart reads which he's made a lot of you you mentioned you hit on derrick henry i feel like a a broken record every week that we talk about it derrick henry has to be on point you don't get to 1500 yards in a season by you know having some mediocre games you have to by doing that you are the league leader in rush and you have to consistently do that it means nothing if you come into this first playoff game and you run for 30 yards he needs to he needs to consistently carry into the playoffs the momentum he's had all season and i think you know like we talked about he looked healthier than i can ever remember him against the texans he looked fast he looked fluid I just had flashes where I'm thinking he's going to look like this in New England and we're going to go out of there with a a couple score lead. I feel that confident about it in the game plan and how they're going to draw it up that it's going to be super important for Derrick Henry. But like you said, also super important for Ryan Tannehill. He's going to take that step. And let's face it, how he performs in the playoffs might be what dictates his future here in Tennessee or elsewhere. Well, my point was, everyone mark my words, this game is going to come down to third and seven, fourth and seven, maybe even two or three times because that's what games like this come down to. Derrick Henry is going to do his lion's share of keeping us in this game. My guess is, like most games, he's going to he's gonna do that. And sometimes when itself, most of our tough games, it's taking a play from Tannehill, A.J. Brown, et cetera, et cetera. That's what this is going to come down to. There's a reason why the same teams – year after year in most of our adult lifetime, John, about two decades, the same teams win, right? Ravens, Patriots, it's a physical game. It's different in the playoffs. The Patriots have looked bad, maybe not this bad this late, but it's a different sort of thing. And that's why I think the same team sort of win when they have the core players. I say all that to say this, that New England lost two years ago in the playoffs. You talk about Henry being ready. I think he will be ready because I think everybody on this that was there understands what it takes to win because they watched uh, the Patriots beat them up there, right, big fella? For sure. Yeah, I mean, one thing that you guys, Landon, you mentioned the injury report was Jack Conklin. You guys will remember two years ago, this is the game where Jack Conklin tore his ACL and, you know, he had to sit a lot of time on the sidelines. So I think he's going to be extra motivated to get out there and play his best game. And like you said, there are a lot of guys on this team that were in that game on both sides, actually. I mean, with Logan Ryan and Malcolm Butler. So they know what it takes to win that game. And the players who were not on that team, they watched what it takes to win that game. And I think they're going to be extra motivated. Usually I'm kind of worried about us not, not coming out fast and not getting a fast start. 
I don't think that's going to be the case. I think one thing that we're going to have to be careful of is to remain calm and have an incredible first quarter and then, you know, lay off the gas for the rest of the game. I think we're going to have to be really even keeled throughout the game because, like you said, it's a tough game, and it's a tough game for four quarters. That's a really good point. I worry about us getting up and our coaching staff getting bland like they did in the New Orleans game. And I know that was a weird game, but you talk about not ever having been here before. Vrabel has played a lot and been around football. He's never been a head coach. This game will be the biggest game of his life uh, as a coach. And go down the line of that coaching staff, that's that's to be considered. That's a really good point that I don't want our players to relax, but I don't see that from our players. I want I like our coaching staff, but even in the last month, they're like that four, that fake punt three games ago. I mean, there's some weird things that they do, and he's learned a lot on the fly, especially this year, but there's not a margin of error for them to do some goofy stuff or to get weirdly conservative. All that being said, I've got – I've got faith that they will be prepared for this game and they'll put the players in the right position, which they have generally done, especially this last 10 or 11 weeks or so. Landon, uh, the other really big key to this game, when I've seen Tom Brady get beat in the playoffs in the last nearly two decades, the thing that has always happened, the opposing team has gotten pressure from multiple corners on him. Every quarterback is different when they're under pressure, but especially Brady, especially at age 42, we're going to have to get after him. We have not had a consistent pass rush from the edge every week. Logan Ryan has done a good job, and our interior guys do a really good job still. Uh, I expect uh, Dean Pease to do some stuff to get pressure from all over the field. I expect our interior. We're going to have to get, and I say this every week, but this is, you guys would agree, right? Tom Brady is going to find a way to win this game if he has a clean jersey in the fourth quarter, right, Lance? Oh, certainly, and I think with Brady, the lack of edge pass rush, this might be one of the best quarterbacks to have that issue because of how old he is and how mobile he is. Because as we saw with Deshaun Watson, if you got an athletic guy who, if you can't set the edge against him, he's going to scramble out there for a first down. Brady is obviously not going to do that at any point in his life, especially right now. And so I think that effect, I think that we minimize a little bit. But what, what really kills Brady is, and what kills every quarterback, is you rush for and you drop seven because now you have to wait for plays to develop and you're still getting pressure in his face. And that's not an easy thing for us, especially with how much it's the interior defensive line because we can't play three interior defensive linemen on the same play and not expect to get carved up over the course of a game. We have to get edge pressure. Now, thankfully, the Patriots' offensive line has been banged up all year. They've missed several starters for parts or all this so I could see us finding a way to get pressure but still like you said this is going to be a tough task especially with Bill Belichick knowing we're going to try and do that and being against it right John we saw Stephon Gilmore just get wore out by uh, really playing with house money well coached Dolphins team last week Gilmore I would imagine he's going to follow AJ Brown like he followed Corey Davis two years ago he Played really well, defensive player of the year well. But Davis has sort of owned him. How do you think A.J. Brown matches up with him? Well, yeah, it's funny you say that uh, because when you first started talking, I'm like, well, remember two years ago where Corey Davis had two touchdowns in that playoff game, and everybody was like, oh, Corey Davis is ready to go. And, you know, this is where he finally breaks onto the scene. And, you know, I'm sure Stephon Gilmore, he knows that. They're, They're too smart of a team to just focus in on one player. At the same time, Stephon Gilmore was put on display last week, like you mentioned, again with Devontae Parker. So I think A.J. Brown is going to match up pretty well with Stephon Gilmore. He might be one of the more physical receivers that Stephon Gilmore has faced this year. So I really like the matchup. A.J. Brown 
with his case for rookie of the year. Uh, I mean, I think he is just like we've talked about in multiple uh, multiple weeks. He is a superstar in the making. You know, I don't want to go as far as saying he's matchup proof, but I think we're going to see his athleticism on display whether it's Stephon Gilmore or any other corner that they have. And then again, like you said, Corey Davis, he is no slouch either. And we talked about it last week that this might be the game or this or this might be the time for Corey Davis to step up. When the playoffs are started, there's a lot to play for. I could see both of them really stepping up in a big way and winning their matchups. And even if they do, I think Jonu Smith is going to have some great matchups across the middle too. So overall, back to the Tannehill thing, I think he's got to look at all of his targets. You know, he's got to look for who's open, not just for one guy. There's a lot to unpack there. Johnny Smith, and us not really seeing him in week seven, worried me because we're going to absolutely need him at some point in this game. They have not, as good as their defense has been, they've been a little soft against tight ends. You made really good points about A.J. Brown, but I felt like he was pretty well put in check by New Orleans two weeks ago. But he had that run, which tells me that if our play callers want to, they could put Brown, get the ball in his hand, and I think good things can happen regardless of who's covering. I don't think he's matchup proof, but I do think we're in the right scheme. Right, Lana, they could just get the ball in his hand. And my thinking, I, I'm hoping anyway, that New Orleans game and his lack of touches was more about them not showing what they're going to do in a game like this, right, Lana? Yeah, I think so, especially with how when we tried to win it in the – on this last drive with Cleef Brandon got hurt. First play, Tannehill goes deep to A.J. Brown. He makes a juggling catch. Where was that all game? Why? And it was the most simple play. Hey, run a streak up the sideline. I'll, I'll throw you the ball. It's It was telling to me that entire game, we were playing with some stuff left behind the currents. We didn't want to reveal everything because that game didn't. And if Jason McCourty is out, I feel much better about our receiver performances on Saturday because then Jonathan Jones or J.C. Jackson are used to covering the number three and four receiver. One of them has to step up and cover Davis or Brown, who are both, I'd say, average star-level players. And just that jump fr- jump of talent where instead of the small, shifty, fast guy in the slot, it's this big, physical guy that's going to push you around and trying to physically dominate. That, that kind of trends you're guarding is a big factor now Jonathan Jones passes when Jason McCourty's been out he has to play outside a lot quarterbacks targeting him after he played great the first 10 games when he was confined to the slot quarterbacks have thrown 20 20 of 27 passes for 300 yards and three touchdowns so it's obvious Jonathan Jones when he has to play on the outside he has to deal with more size more physicality more just brute strength which Davis and Brown have shown at times for me New England has been very good like elite against Passing. They've done that because of Stephon Gilmore and Devin McCourty, who have both played at an literally elite level at corner. And Cal Van Noy has done a really good job from that right side of getting after and pressuring the quarterback. So it's going to be up to Jack Conklin on that side. I know he's not 100%. He's going to absolutely have to get after Van Noy. Van Noy didn't, he wasn't a top 10 pick. He wasn't, wasn't that. So people don't have an appreciation for how he absolutely gets after it. And, of course, they scheme well. So Dante Hightower plays off ball until he doesn't. He has five or six sacks. And they do like us. Dean P. Uh, obviously is a former defensive play caller in New England, and their defense looks a heck of a lot like ours. And you'll see their toughest uh, defensive backs, you'll see Chung, guys like that, just absolutely rush the, uh, the quarterback with some regularity. They come from all angles. Danny Shelton is reborn and is a really, really good player. They have other players that uh, most folks have never heard of, five or six sacks. Adam Butler, for instance, who played at Vanderbilt, was undrafted, 300-pound guy. They run a 4-3. Danny Shelton sucks everybody in. This guy goes over the guard. He has six sacks from defensive tackle. 
They do it a lot of different ways, but what we'll have to do is, to your point, John, with all that being said, they've got two really good corners and they've got a good pass rush. What we're going to have to do is find that third and fourth guy. Johnu Smith is going to be absolutely crucial uh, on Saturday. Right, Lance? Oh, absolutely. And we've seen the coaching staff tar- start to experiment with John U. Smith in interesting formations and positions, taking pitches, hands off, handoffs out of the backfield and acted like they're running back and gained a lot of yards. And it's really just interesting to see how they use him. It's less of a receiver, more of just like an offensive weapon. It's this guy is fast. He's athletic. He breaks tackle. Let's just get him the ball. And he, oh, he's 6'3". He's really built. He can fly for a tight end. And it's just another factor that teams have to game plan for when he's in the backfield. You know he can go out and run a route and burn a linebacker, but he can also take the pitch, the handoff, and he can run through the defense for a first down. And to your, when you mentioned earlier that he didn't do much, then that was because A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry had 300 yards of offense on their own. There's no need for Johnny Smith to get involved. I've seen when we need a guy to step up in the passing game. Smith steps up. He does his job. He, especially in that Saints game, we were just playing vanilla. He takes a, he takes a route across the middle. He breaks a couple tackles. He outraces the entire defense. And like you said, the, the strength of their defense is the second. I expect Corey Davis and A.J. Brown to have a tough time. If anyone else is to step up in the receiving game and give us a chance for Tannehill to do something, it's got to be Johnny Smith. Hey, and why not Tajay Sharp, you know? Oh, absolutely. Home state, yeah. Massachusetts. I mean, he's played well over the last couple of weeks. He's proven that he mm-hmm. is ready for this game right here. Absolutely. Yep. And Tannehill has looked his way a lot. So that that totally talks about the trust that he has with all these guys. And he's not afraid to turn to anybody in a time of need. He's turned to Khalif Raymond, too. And he's, you know, delivered on a couple big plays. So I think we've got a bunch of capable receivers. You know, we talked about it before the season started that we have an incredible receiver group, and I think it shook out a little bit differently than we thought it would, but still, here we are with a bunch of really good receivers ready to go. That's going to be a big difference for us, and it's been warm and fuzzy. Oh, he passed this many guys. In a game like this, we're going to have to depend on one of these guys, and we have the deepest receiver core that we've ever had. People speak in hyperbole, and we've had some excellent teams, but Tajay Sharp is your fourth receiver based on the toughness he's shown in this week, uh, that's a, it's about as good of a fourth guy as we've ever had, especially at this point in the season. Big fellow, when it comes to our defense in particular, which of these New England running backs scares you the most as far as they could just, just really kill us Saturday night? I'm really worried about James White. Landon said he has over 70 catches as a running back. And, you know, we've seen him do a lot of different things. We've seen him win playoff games, Super Bowl games at that, just because of his versatility. One thing we don't really do well is we don't bottle up guys like that. So I'm really concerned, and I really want to make sure that that our guys, they they take care of guys like James White and make sure that they have eyes on the perimeter. And, you know, we obviously want to close the pocket on Brady, but we can't lose track of guys like James White. So I think our linebackers are going to have to do a really, really good job kind of following him throughout the game. And I think the way Jayon Brown has played throughout this year, I think he is the the key suspect to do that. And with Jayon Brown playing the way he is, I feel a lot more comfortable than I would have in another week or another, another season. Um, so, yeah, he's one guy that really worries me. Landon, for me, it's Rex Burkhead, who's been their most efficient runner. Nobody's really gotten a lot of carries running um, except for Sonny Michelle. But lately, Rex Burkhead, they kind of picked their moments with him. Their last few games, he's just run like he's uh, been shot out of a cannon. He looks fresh. He he is their do-it-all guy. Um, we know James White can catch out of the backfield. Rex Burkhead, 
is a good hard runner and he's a good receiver. I, I worry about him Saturday. I think it comes down to he's versatile and you really can't expect what they'll do on offense because if Michelle's in the game, more often than not, probably two-thirds of the time, he's going to be running the ball. He averages close to 20 carries a game. And even though he doesn't get a ton of yards, he's their workhorse. They're fine with how he's played. James White is a great receiving back, one of the best in the NFL, period. But they're both of them are, in a way, too one-dimensional. They ha- they're a tell for what the offense is going to do on that play. With Burkhead, like you said, he can receive, he can run. My only, my only question on him is, he, do- he does have his moments where his ball is a bit questionable in that Bills game uh, two Saturdays ago. He was running in the open field. He didn't protect the ball. And from behind, he got it knocked out. And that's not something you really see out of White and Michelle. And that's really the only question I have because just his versatility and the way he opens up the offense and makes it less obvious what they're going to do certainly gives – it makes me worry a bit. And just because he hasn't been used enough, that there's not a lot of film on what they do with him. So I can certainly see them unveiling new things with him on Saturday. Guys, what scares you most? I'll start with mine. Our kicking game. We've seen a lot of playoff – and this is setting up to be – I would think it'd be a really close game to come down to the end. So it scares you, yes, when you have an all-time great, maybe the all-time great quarterback. Uh, but honestly, they've won a lot of their games with the kicking game. A lot of these big playoff games were Vinatieri and Gostowski. So for me, I'm worried about needing a 45 or 48-yard field goal at the end of this game. Oh, in regards to our kick game, I think we're the worst and probably I think we're the worst kicking since the 50s and 60s when it was hardly an art at all. We kicked 45% on field goals. That's probably one of the worst ever, period in any point in NFL history and a lot and really it was suck up that had a lot of those misses and he's obviously not on the team anymore and we just have also had games where we just don't need to kick field goals Greg Joseph he's been with the team for a couple of weeks he hasn't even attempted one and we've scored over 60 points in the last two weeks but it obviously scares me because with suck up before he got hurt in the years past if you're if we're going for a game winning or game timing drive you know when he gets within 50 he's almost on mech you know he's clutch he's going to make it greg joseph i have no idea what he's going to because i've never seen him kick for us he has a very limited career just in general and with the elements that it's even worse it's not supposed to be super cold in this game unless things have changed but I would imagine it'll be wet and just sort of weird weather like it is up there this time of year. There's expected to be a moderate amount of rain during the game. It's going to have a temperature between 33 and 44. So that those aren't ideal conditions for the kicking game. John? Kicking is so important and so crucial. And like Landon said, we've had one of the worst kicking experiences in the history of the game. The history of the NFL we have had some of the worst kicking this year. This is a position that I haven't really worried about for a while. Ryan Suckup. Without him, we don't beat Kansas City two years ago. Uh, oh, no uh, question. Take that. It, it's just such a pivotal part to an NFL football team. Like you, it worries me that we might need a field goal to win, and I don't know if I can, I can count on our kicker. Well, we don't know because he's unproven. And, yes, sure. we've been historically bad on paper. If you take out a couple of games of sample size, we would still be at the bottom of the league for this year. Yes, I mean, it, it looks worse than it really maybe is at present day, but it's not good at present day, and I worry about this because this is going to be a guy who we don't know how he handles pressure. They can kick as many as they want to, and even in the regular season, this is a different animal. And with the pressure that's going to come down in this game and kicking and the weather and everything, it just makes you think because I wasn't as worried as I saw Ryan suck up. I mean, hit that uh, two years ago uh, in Kansas City. You've seen him be absolutely clutch, but – there's only one way to find out, but uh, it does uh, keep me up at night, so to speak. Uh, John, what's your biggest worry? My biggest worry, the, the Patriots have a, a a top defense. So I'm really worried that if their pass rush starts to get some momentum and they start to get after Tannehill and it, force him to hold on to the ball too long, I am really worried that our offensive line won't hold up 
and that the sacks will start to accumulate and that'll kind of take us out of out of the field position game and then entirely out of the game period so i'm really worried about the defensive pressure and the defensive matchup and our offensive line's ability to hold up i hope i'm wrong and i hope that they show up ready to play that that really worries me all right lane let's say offensive rookie of the year was awarded the way the college football play playoff is done and they get a bunch of uh, suits in a conference room in dallas and they hash it out Let's say that's the way they were going to decide this award for this regular season, and you got to get up there and give the analytical, stats-based argument for A.J. Brown over Murray and Jacob. Well, he's first in receiving yards. He's tied for first in touchdowns. He's first in total touchdowns, first in yards per catch, and this is among all rookies. He's the first player in NFL history to go over 1,000 yards with under 100 targets. And now targets were only recorded in the 80s, so I'm sure there were players before him before him but still he only had 84 targets on the year and he had a thousand yards that's over 10 yards per target so on average when Tannehill throws it's 10 yards and Michael Thomas as elite as he was he was around nine at at his best there's no there's no better big play receiver I think right now than A.J. Brown he averages 8.9 yards after the catch per catch is easily first in the entire league among all players even include his his 20.2 yards per catch is first among all major players is better than Tyree Kill, any speedster deep that you can think of. He's been the most explosive playmaker on one of the hottest off in the second half of the season under Tannehill. Easily been the most important receiver, and he's just and he's just you're fine. And it's just the way that he does it is so consistent and translatable because it's not it's not just a bunch of blown coverages and he's wide open. He's making tough catches. He's running after the catch. He's punishing defense. And he, even though Tannehill has played really great, he's not playing with an MVP caliber quarterback that's pushing up his numbers he's doing a lot of this on his own he's produced as an actual player not just a product john that's an excellent quantitative argument i wish there was a room and i wish landon could get in it and <laughs> talk him into it but <laughs> as many quantitative stats there are i mean he's an advanced stats darling but there's a lot of qualitative reasons for him to be the offensive rookie of the year mainly he's the best receiver on a playoff and he has gotten better as the season's gone on. Two things I don't think the other guys can necessarily say. What's your oh, big pitch, yeah. big fella? My big pitch is, like you said, he's progressive. You know, I mean, how often do you see rookies come in and make an impact like he has, let alone transitioning from one quarterback to another? You know, all summer he practiced with Marcus Mariota. And then leading into the season, first five five and a half games, you know, he, he took passes from Marcus. And he still did well, played lights out, but not to the level that he's doing it right now. And I think that just talks about the progression of playing with a veteran quarterback, with learning from Corey Davis about how to run routes. And he has the swagger and confidence to be a superstar. And I think that's what it takes in today's NFL. You have to be able to be an athletic specimen, which he is. I mean, sitting next to DK Metcalf, uh, you know, before the, the combine, the they looked ginormous. So he checks off that box, and he checks off the box of having a big college career. Absolutely. And you know, he just comes in super confident, and that's what it takes. You know, Michael Thomas doesn't get to be Michael Thomas by just, uh, you know, playing okay games. And, you know, every single game that that guy takes the field, he thinks he's going to have, you know, 15 catches for 160 yards. And you know what? To his credit, he, he usually does that. So A.J. Brown, he comes onto that field, and he wants the ball. And, you know, winners want the ball. And I just really and truly believe that in order to take that progression to be a big superstar – 
you have to have the preparation to deliver on the field, both mind and body. So I think he's got that. If you're just talking about overall players, there's nobody even close. Yeah, there have been good rookies, a good rookie class, and I don't expect him to win. I think this uh, goes to quarterbacks a lot and guys that were picked higher a lot. But honestly, my pitch would be qualitative, although there's so many good stats. And it would be rolling out the projector and they can watch that catch. This this is not this award is not based on one catch, but that catch in the fourth quarter last tells you everything you need to know about what kind of player he is and is gonna be at age. It's just absolutely one of the great catches of the year. The guy is um, a superstar in the making. He is not your typical receiver, but he has got so much strength and so much instinct. I think the guy's really gonna learn to play the game because I think he wants to. I think he's gonna be absolutely terrific. I'm just super excited uh, about him, obviously, but uh, you never know. He is the dark horse, and I think he's gained some some steam this week because he's absolutely peaked at the right time, and we haven't seen uh, Jacobs in three weeks, and nobody's really seen um, Murray that much, although they have done better than I thought they would. I I think he had the keys to the entire offense from the beginning. A.J. Brown, as Landon pointed out, really, at the end of the day, a limited role in this offense as far as targets. Guys, let's talk odds, Super Bowl odds. Uh, I've heard a lot about this this week. Uh, The Titans are 50-1 to odds to win the Super Bowl. I I know they trap a lot of people to do this because, really, that's it should be higher um, in a way when you think about it from a mathematical probability standpoint. But in this country, um, in gambling, they don't really take any bad bets um, as far as uh, the casinos and all the other books that are opening as state laws change. What do you guys think about that? And uh, how many people in our fan base do you think have called their brother in Pennsylvania to put a hundred bucks to win 5,000 and, and bet on this team, big fella? <laughs> I feel like you're talking directly at me. That's what a, <laughs> kind of a that's specific what, example, right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, I, I'm all in and I hope the rest of our fan base is call your brothers in Pennsylvania, call my brother in Pennsylvania. We'll put that money in for you. Do you want odds for the Super Bowl? Pretty much they're the the slimmest of margins. Well, the slimmest. Yeah, uh, them and the Bills have the lowest uh, lowest odds. Yes, fifty to yeah. one. That's the lowest ones given. Everyone else has a better chance, according to Vegas, to win the Super. Bowl. Oh yeah, lowest odds. You know, the biggest payout, and those are the teams that usually do the best. <laughs> I hope I hope that's what it is. Uh, you know, as the optimist and the the diehard Titans fan, you know, I think it's a safe bet. To be fair, Landon, this is a loaded playoff bracket 12 11 really good teams and a tough as nails philly team right oh yeah and the reason i think that these odds are really smart are really smart to times fans that want to bet on is just because even to get to the super bowl we have to the patriots on the road then we go to baltimore where they have the waiting for us we have to beat them on the road then we have to probably play kansas city on the road that's not even to win it that's just right and then the NFC, you have 13 and 3. Likely one of them are going to make it. So if we somehow won the Super Bowl, that would probably be the greatest playoff run ever just in terms of difficulty. Because not only is it on the road every time, the teams we have to play would be 12 and 4, 14, 12 and 4, and 13 and 3. Just the quality of a punt we would have to play and beat every is just outlandish. And obviously, I really hope that happens to have the greatest playoff run ever. Now, statistically, it's not going to happen, but there's no reason why we can't hope it won't happen. Absolutely, and I think that 50-1, to one, uh, I think that $100 bet a lot of our fan base is making is more of a show of support, right, big fellow, than anything else. Sure. I think that there's a chance that we could do that. I mean, I really, I'm not going to say that we don't. Really, from a guy who kind of deals with money and statistics and probabilities every day, it's really more of 100-1. I think if it were over in Europe, it would be 100-1. to one. But I just think our 
uh, the way our gambling does. Really, uh, if you put $100 down, you really ought to get more than 5000 on that bet. But that's the way they do it. They hedge their bets. It's their game. Uh, but it does make it fascinating to kind of think, and it's kind of like that scratch-off ticket, or it's kind of like whatever. I don't play the lottery or really gamble in this way, but it's kind of like that when the when the lottery is $800 million, you buy that ticket and you just dream, right, Big Phil? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, what's <laughs> as a Titans fan, Putting a hundred down, a hundred dollars down to support your team. I mean, we pay more than that in season tickets. I mean, it, it, it and you know, I would put a million dollars down if I could, um, <laughs> because I love this team and uh, you know, I'm confident in what we're doing and what we're building and the team that we are right now. It's it's so much different than we were in week one. And I remember after week one, we were on this podcast uh, driving on, uh, home from Cleveland, and we were both talking about how magical this team was and how there was a different a different something in the air and you know it, we were going to do great things you know then we came crashing down to reality with the, with how our team was at 2 2 and 4 and then we were lifted up by Tannehill so it's been a wild roller coaster but i still believe that magic on this team exists why not us as long as this team doesn't roll over on saturday and i just cannot imagine that uh, from our leadership or our coaching staff doesn't just absolutely do something boneheaded um even then, to to a degree, I'm going to be proud of this team and even more so super excited about the future. Hard part, guys. Here we go. Prediction. Saturday night, 7-15 on CBS. Titans and Patriots. We'll start with you, Landon. What's the score? It'll be 20-14 to 14 New England Patriots. As much as it, as much as I want to kill the dynasty, it's over. Brady retires. Belichick, we, we slay the beat. I don't think. I don't think we're the team to do it. Landon thinks with his mind and not his heart, and I totally understand that. And I know there's not a bigger uh, fan of the Titans than you, but, hey, you know, I, I got to hand it to you for uh, that's just your gut feeling. I do think it's going to be a close game. Sounds like you do, too. John, what's your guess for a final score? Well, on New Year's Eve, I was making bold predictions saying we we're going to beat the Patriots by at least 14. So <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to go 35-21 tight. I think it's going to be a wild game, and I'm really worried about – uh, kicking game and my worry like we talked about is uh, Ryan Tannehill trying to do too much but ultimately I think we have what it takes to win this game and I think it's going to be it's going to be an absolute blast to watch and 27-24 uh, uh, here on the end that's my prediction we've caught you up guys we're ready to go can you tell we're excited I bet you are too so excited to watch this game and uh, we'll come back with you after this uh, hopeful win on Saturday night and so look for us then subscribe to us on I think the best ways to reach us are Spotify and on iTunes and guys, just tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.